as speech pathologists, we, we do really get it. We understand the importance of communication and, and social connections. And it's important to learn that how one way of treating or, or working with a, a client isn't necessarily going to be what works for another client in a different state or from a different tribe. If we've got assessment findings that are robust, then we don't have to make any presumptions. And I strongly believe in the value and worth of what we do and the difference we make. Hello, and welcome to Speak Up, Speech Pathology Australia's podcast. Each week, we feature a conversation about an area or topic related to all things speech pathology. Let's hear what this week's contributors have to Hello say. Hello, and welcome to this week's Speak Up Conversation. I'm Davina Lowe, member of Speech Pathology Australia's Early Career Reference Group. Continuing professional development, or CPD, is such an integral part of our practice as speech pathologists. However, there are often a sea of opportunities out there. And how do we pick through all of these options to ensure that we are selecting something that best addresses our needs? To guide us through this process, I'm delighted to welcome Corey Williams onto today's episode. Corey was Speech Pathology Australia's Senior Advisor for Evidence-Based Practice and Research from 2012 until August 2021. Corey, thank you and lovely to be chatting with you. Thanks, Davina. It's my pleasure to be here. So, our conversation today will be based around the resource Planning Your CPD, Optimising Professional Learning. First of all, Corey, what was the purpose for creating this document? The impetus for producing the document came from member inquiries to the professional support team. Questions about how to choose appropriate professional development to best meet the requirements of PSR and how to evaluate potential, potential PD offerings. The professional standards tell us that continued professional learning is a requirement for all members of SPA. So determining the best way to meet this requirement is important for us all. We also know that EBP is fundamental to our professional practice and therefore that any professional learning we choose to undertake should be firmly based in the best available evidence. So there was clearly a gap to streamline the whole process and in the document um, it mentions an action cycle which includes one, planning professional development, two, appraising available opportunities, three, engaging with particular learning opportunities, and then last, evaluating the outcomes of participation. Is the table included at the end of the document a resource speech pathologists can use to engage in this action cycle? And can you please walk us through the contents of the table? Sure. You can certainly use the tables included in the document as a means of planning your professional learning. I think the really important word here is planning. The aim is that you take a proactive approach to professional development by thinking about your learning needs and investigating learning opportunities, rather than by seeing an advertisement for a PD opportunity and taking it up without considering its place in your learning plan. So I'd encourage you to read the detailed explanations in the body of the document before embarking on using the tables. The tables are a summary to help you formalise your thinking. But to summarise, the table provides you with some prompt questions related to five areas. 
So the purpose for learning, that is why you want to undertake the learning, what you hope to get from it. The goals, what it is you want to learn. The level that you need. So it asks you to think about what you already know in that area. The mode of learning that suits you best. You might be an online person. I think we're all online people these days. But one day face-to-face might be available again. Um, The practicalities involved finally. How much it will cost. How accessible is it to you. How often is it available? All of those things are important to think about. And how might speech pathologists benefit from engaging in CPD this way? I think the benefit lies in an organised approach to managing your CPD. This means you can maximise the utility of the learning you undertake, how useful it is. You can ensure that you undertake learning that's relevant to your current position and career stage and that you meet the requirements of the professional standards. Well, let's focus now on each component of the action cycle more closely. So you mentioned that planning is very important. And can you elaborate more on why planning is important when deciding how to undertake CPD? I think as we discussed earlier, the importance lies in the fact that it lets you take a proactive approach. You know, if you're reactive and just see something available and go, oh, that might be interesting, it might not fit with your career aspirations. It might not fit well with your level of learning. So taking some time to plan what you need and how you can get that learning is really important, I think. Would you recommend that speech pathologists make or review their plans yearly? You could certainly aim to make and review review your plans yearly but you could also engage in a continuous action cycle and that was really the idea of formulating it as an action cycle. This means that you'd be including new goals and activities and reviewing the learning outcomes as the need arises. And it is also important that we uphold evidence-based practice in our everyday work. How can we appraise potential opportunities in relation to evidence-based practice? And are there any resources to help us make this assessment before we participate? Mm. The document provides a number of suggestions for appraising CPD opportunities in relation to EBP. They're summarised in the evaluation table at the end of the document. So when you go to the document, you'll see that there's a planning table and there's an evaluation table. So in the evaluation table, we summarise suggestions under the four areas of EBP that are included in the core document of the association. That is external scientific evidence, evidence from clinical practice, client perspectives and information from the practice context. There are prompt questions provided in each area that encourage you to think about the quality of the external scientific evidence that is mentioned, um, whether the person presenting the CPD has um, long experience in clinical practice, whether the offering includes client perspectives and whether it considers the information available from the practice context. So there's a lot to consider and lot to take into account when making to make sure that any opportunities we choose um, account for our aspects of evidence-based practice. 
I think you'll find that easy to to deal with when you actually look at the resources in the document. So looking at the tables and engaging with those and using them as your approach to thinking about your CPD. And would the aim be as people engage in the action cycle more frequently, they'll be more used to this process and it'll become quicker? I hope so. And the document also discusses considerations when seeking CPD to improve our cultural awareness and responsiveness to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. How do we identify CPD that has been planned in partnership with or has been informed by First Nations communities? And how do we know if it includes research that shows ethical practice in working with Indigenous peoples? Both really good questions. Information on the learning opportunity should indicate that it's been planned in partnership with or informed by First Nations communities. So this might be evident in the inclusion of a First Nations presenter. So basically we'd be looking for um, opportunities that are delivered by First Nations peoples. But you might also look for evidence of a steering committee or advisory committee that includes Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander peoples. So that's to do with the CPD being informed by First Nations peoples. With regards to ethical research, you should be looking for a statement that says that the research followed the principles for research involving Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. I'm talking here about the um, guidelines provided by the NH and MRC. So I believe, although I don't have the resource in front of me at the moment, that there's a link to that resource within the body of the document. If the information about the offering doesn't provide the information you need, it's appropriate to look for further information. You might ask the presenter, you might look further into it, And that applies not just to offerings that are around Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, but to all the offerings that you're looking at. I think those are some really good points to consider. And so going to the last step of the action cycle, why is evaluation required both immediately and over time after participation at an, opportu- at an opportunity? Why are there two time points recommended? Because it, they will provide you with the opportunity to maximise your learning. When you undertake the immediate evaluation, you'll be summarising your learning and the ways in which it could be implemented in your practice or integrated into your practice. The follow-up evaluation allows you to reflect on the extent to which you have implemented the learning in your practice. And at both points, you can use your reflections to identify areas in which you'd like to learn a bit more. So because it's a cycle, we'd always start at the first point again. (laughs) How can speech pathologists use this evaluation to inform future planning of other CPD needs? By thinking about any gaps, by thinking about any issues they might have encountered in integrating the the learning within their clinical practice. Um, By following up on 
sidelines or particular areas that have tantalised them in undertaking the CPD. And when planning CPD, so we've gone through the action cycle, lots speech pathologists often have to take their own professional interest into consideration when finding opportunities, but they also have to consider their caseload and workplaces needs. Do you have any recommendations on how we can balance all of these considerations from both ends when seeking CPD opportunities? Well, I think that taking a collaborative approach to planning is an excellent idea. We have to recognise that your professional interests may well be tied up with the caseload that you're working with to start with. Um, So that's fine. Balance is always important though and negotiating with your workplace, with your employer or your mentor within the workplace is likely to help you to achieve this balance. You might need to spend some time prioritising your interests and aspirations and measuring them against the requirements of your workplace. So it, it will be a negotiation process. I think that the planning and evaluation tables will be a valuable tool to use to help you do this. Your professional interests might include an area of practice you aspire to enter and sharing this with your employer or your mentor may assist in your career development. The practicalities section, information about accessibility, availability, time and cost can also be a part of your collaborative approach. You may, for example, need to negotiate time with your employer in order to undertake their professional development. And certainly your evaluation of your learning and your plans to integrate this into your practice will be of interest to you and your employer. There may be opportunity for what you've learned to be shared with other members of your team for wider integration within the workplace. And your employer is likely to see that as a good thing, I would think. So it sounds like that this document and resource can be used both by clinicians individually and also with their employers and their team collaboratively um, so that they can achieve balance in both ends of meeting their own needs, but also meeting the workplace's needs. And it sounds lovely that this resource can be adapted easily and is flexible for every individual's needs and the team's needs too. Well, thank you so much, Corrie, for the wonderful discussion today and stepping us through the CPD action cycle. Planning your CPD, optimising professional learning can be found under the Learning Resource Centre on SPARS Learning Hub and is free for all members. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. Please be sure to tune in again next Wednesday for another Speak Up conversation. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your colleagues. Thank you for listening and bye for now.